But I that's... feel like Charlie is stronger than Carrie. Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like if Charlie and Carrie had a fight, I feel like Charlie would probably win. Ooh. I feel like eight-year-old Charlie could kick Carrie's Carrie. ass. I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Carrie's also it's like, good fight. She, she's got, like, she's been beaten down so much by her mom and by everyone at school. And like, Charlie has parents who are very supportive of her powers. But Charlie at end of movie, yeah. I think could beat Carrie. Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where two unlikely gore hounds delve into our horror movie notebook from college, in which we meticulously kept track of every film we watched in the horror movie section of our local video store, in our quest to learn how to survive and to ensure we end up as As the the final final girl. girl. Join Julia and Marion as we revisit the classic and obscure horror VHS we viewed and logged in our notebook, breaking each movie down one by one, speaking out over all the ghastly minutiae, and ultimately illuminating the path to survival. Hey everyone! It's all happening. It's all happening. <laughs> Welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide. We're the first podcast from Indie Popcorn recording here at the Circus. This is episode 58, entitled Burn It All Down, Baby. Because today, 1984's Firestarter. Yeah! Stephen King is back. Stephen King is back. Makes me happy. Are you ready for the tagline? Did you do the sound? Terry. Ridiculous. Charlie McGee is a happy, healthy eight-year-old girl. Normal in every way but one. She has the power to set objects afire with just one glance. It's a power she does not want. It's a power she can't control. And each night, Charlie prays to be just like every other child. But there are those who will do everything in their power to find her or destroy her. Yeah, as you would. You're like if synopsis, an eight-year-old had this power. Synopsis yeah. in the tagline. Correct. Yeah, I feel like this is this is the last in our uh, Killer Kids uh, series, and I feel like this movie uh, takes the idea of why this kid is a killer kid and is the best of the four that we've done as far oh, as yeah. premise. Because the I, richest. They're absolutely. Because I think and the, the the minefield of what you can use, explore with this is is a lot. And I think that the idea of a child having a power that is potentially homicidal, um, but their emotions and like their uh, are tied to their power. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily like, evil but much like a child sort of throwing a tantrum or having the potential to like you know hit out or sibling like if every time like a three-year-old got mad and struck something that and somebody ended up dying and you're their parent (laughs) like that's a lot um and 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 it even inherited it from you and they also then have feel the remorse about it sure so it's like once they see it it's like oh i'm sorry i wouldn't do that again but also like they're like a little kid so it's like Wow. All right, Stephen King. Um, that's, you know. Well, when we watched this, the, I mean, I, I think this movie is like top tier. Okay. Like I, when we watched it before, mm-hmm. like obviously Stranger Things didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And now I was like, oh my God, yeah. this movie, it, Stranger Things is this movie. Yeah. It's just basically like, what if Charlie was with the shop for like five years and yep. then escaped and yep. now she's 11? Correct. Like mm-hmm. exactly the same. Totally. I agree. And I, and the Tangerine Dream score yeah. is so synthy and yeah. awesome. And also everyone's in this movie. Yes. So this movie is directed by Mark Lester and this movie is Charlie is Drew Barrymore. Uh, David Keith is her father. Uh, Art Carney, Louise Fletcher, George C. Scott, Martin Sheen. Yep. Like everyone's in this thing. So can I throw some alternate universe casting oh, yes. your way? Oh, um, is it a good game? Oh, oh yeah. All Always fun. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I, I liked those movies to play out in my head with those different with those different <laughs> elements. Uh, this film could have been directed by John Carpenter. 
Wow. Which okay. would have been a whole that different thing. Yeah. Um, no, no offense to Mark L. Lester, who mm-hmm. also directed one of my other favorite Linda Blair movies, Roller Bo- Boogie. <laughs> I love Roller Boogie. <laughs> have you seen Roller Boogie? Because you would love it. No, but I feel like it's in my wheelhouse. For yeah. Sure. Um, so, okay. Could have been John Carpenter. Wasn't okay. John Carpenter. Um, Martin She took over for Burt Lancaster. Oh really? What? Because he had like surgery and couldn't do it. Oh okay. So it would have been, been would have cool. been Burt Lancaster been and cool. George T. Scott. Yeah, which would have been something. Going mono a mono. And then also uh, auditioned for Charlie, mm-hmm. uh, Jennifer Connelly. Okay. And Heather O'Rourke. Ooh. Oh, from Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. Ah, I could see that. I think so. I I've always liked Drew Barrymore mm-hmm. ever since ET, and I think that she's oh, awesome. And mm-hmm. but I would say this is her best performance. Uh, even as an adult or just or as a kid as a child actress kind of really yeah. okay mm-hmm. like she i i she's she just she kills it like it's yeah. such, such a hard for an eight-year-old like yeah, it's so kind of vacillate between that sort of like homicidal slash all the remorse uh, yeah and mm-hmm. just so many scenes of like crying and anger yeah. and like so, well done. Yeah, no, it, yeah, it's interesting. So the movie starts with sort of these guys chasing a father and daughter, uh, who is uh, Drew Barrymore, uh, who's Charlie, and David Keith, who's Andy, um, and they escape into a taxi. And the dad gives the guy a dollar, but then the taxi driver sees that it's five hundred dollars instead of a buck, and it was like, okay, I'll take you to the airport. Let's do this thing. And Andy kind of he puts his hands to the side of his head and like has a very intense look on his face. Yes, and then afterwards, which has is a very eleven nosebleed. <laughs> yep. Super Which, 11. There you go. Um, and we, we say he can he can push people yes. to see or do things that he wants them right. to do. Exactly. And so we have a flashback to uh, the these experiments, these Lot 6 experiments. Which is basically MKUltra, which yeah. they actually did with right. uh, students where they just gave them hallucinogenics and were like, let's see what this does. Let's see what it does. Um, and, uh, and they're in college and... Uh, uh, they meet. We meet Heather Locklear. Like David Keith and Heather Locklear are like right next to each other, um, and so they give them all the drug, and everyone and they start. The two of them start communicating telepathically, and it's, they fall in love while they're like super high I've and freaked out. I've always loved you. I've known yeah. you for a thousand years. But she, which says they she, do pretty effectively, I will say, it is cute. And uh-huh. she says that she can hear his thoughts because he says she thinks she hears him think that her hair is beautiful, like copper set on fire. Like. Wow, that's, that's adorable. Yeah. Meanwhile, everybody else in the room is freaking the fuck out, including a guy who like claws his own eyes out or something. Did he? Oh, I thought he was bleeding out of his eyes. Did oh. he clawed his own eyes out? I don't know what that was, but it was terrifying. Uh, this is this is me with like all the when you start talking about hallucinogens, all I start thinking about is like, what if I claw my own eyes out? <laughs> and then like I'm <laughs> and then I'm out. And I then I'm think, like, I think I'll just have some wine. <laughs> just but just taking any hallucinogen in like a, a clinical setting would just be terrible anyway. Like you're just going to be freaked out by everybody. But this. Just but don't goes, you think at home it would you'd be more freaked out because you'll I feel like I woke up and I was you know how did I I was at the beach how did I get here you know and you have well, no memory yeah. Uh, but the, but so this is I think this is really interesting because even Stranger Things you her mother was an MK Ultra and this yeah. is like the exact same no, thing totally. in that. They get their powers from this drug, though. Like, yeah. It fucks up everybody else. But like Heather Locklear and David Keith are like, oh, now we have powers. Yeah. So basically, like, she's really telepathic. On what? That's what she is? I think so. Yeah. Because, I mean, there's a very sort of brief them, ha- them as happy families, right. you know, where, yes, it seems like, like the little toast. Yeah, exactly. We're like Heather Locklear. She's telepathic. 
and David Keith can kind of like can get people to see things or believe things the way that he wants to. And there's like a little bit of telekinesis going on. Right. So like together they have a child right. and she has this extra power where like the beginning when you see them together as a family, he's holding out like a piece of bread and she's toasting it. But he's trying to get her to control her ability to burn something by toasting it just enough so it's like you can eat it but she overdoes it and it burns um, and then she gets frustrated because she's an eight-year-old and that's it you know and uh, she sets uh, Heather Locklear's uh, oven mitts on fire because she's mad because when her parents are like chastising her mm-hmm. and again I think but then immediately you know she Heather Locklear like goes and you know puts uh, t- puts, uh, puts it out in the sink and you know the dad's dealing with her and then she feels bad she's like I didn't mean to hurt mommy mm-hmm. I'm sorry and they're like no it's okay you're alright da, da, da. you know again just like this a normal family dynamic of like your kids have a temper tantrum but like this temper tantrum like could kill the parents right. um, she can do the fire but she's also telekinetic a bit and yeah. she can also see the future because yeah. she can tell when people are coming for them and stuff Second side. so she's uh, Stephen King loves it so mm-hmm. they're in the bus station you know airport, the airport and mm-hmm. there's a guy who's being very mean to his pregnant girlfriend yeah. and so Drew Bormer sets his boots on fire yep. mm-hmm. and then feels bad about that and right and they're having and the dad is also kind of having headaches like it seems like because there's every time he pushes somebody it's like because this is something I always worried about with Eleven. I'm like, she's constantly getting nosebleeds. That's like that's like ch- something in your brain that's like breaking. I can't be good. Yeah. Um, I will say this is very Julia and it's minute detail. Okay. That I'm happy that Andy carries around Kleenex to wipe of his nosebleeds. Uh-huh. Because it always bothered me about Eleven. I'm like, she's just going to have blood all over her sleeves. I the know. Guys, like. Just, yeah. Like, figure it out at some point. Um, but they are on the run because those evil government agents are coming their way from the shop. Right. Yeah. And so then we have another, so we have another flashback. So, and, and also too, it's like. Like you sort of see the beginning that like Charlie has a lot of stress for an eight-year-old about her powers, like how she uses them, when she uses them, the fact that they're tied to emotions and she realizes that she's a little kid and she can't fully control her emotions. And the dad is like, it's okay. We got it. It's just you and me, kid. Like we'll be able to figure it out. They're you really and I together. together. They're a very cute father-daughter. Um, so we have another flashback and that's where we see kind of all of the, the toast burning bit. Um, and also during that time is when suddenly the shop people show up and Andy comes home one day and uh, Vicky's been killed and stuffed in a closet with like a note in her mouth and they've kidnapped Charlie um, and they're about to like shove her into a car and he grabs his daughter and tells the two agents, you're blind now. And they both like fall over holding their eyes. And the movie does a good job where it's not like their eyeballs exploded right. or the whatever. It's just the horrifying thing of like somebody who has the ability to say so just looks at you in the face and says, you're blind now. And you are. Yeah. And they just flip out as you would. Yeah. And I like the sort of, not that it's necessarily subtle, but it's not a really overt use of power. It's not like, and then, because I feel like a different filmmaker or maybe a different writer would be like, he lifted them off the ground and then he pulled their arms and legs apart and whatever. But it's just something as simple as like, someone can just look at you and be like, you're blind now. And you are for the rest of your life. Yeah. And that's crazy. Like, that's a crazy power to have. Their powers are enormous. Yeah. But they're also hurting them and like not you know like for her they're like hurting her emotionally for him like they're physically killing him like he's his like his headaches keep getting worse and worse and it's an interesting take on it because i feel like kind of modern portrayals of superpowers it's always very sexy like there's not really a body count or like a thing that weighs on you aside from like consequences of being able to destroy buildings you know but this has like medical repercussions for them and it's stressful like superpowers are stressful and i don't know if it's quite in the sense that they would wish that they didn't have them 
but it's hard. Yeah. It's not easy to have these ability. Um, and it's not just because it's like great power, great responsibility kind of thing. It's like physically very taxing to be able to do this. And I think that's a really cool idea. I do too. Oh, so we, um, uh, we, what, what? I just was thinking about an SNL sketch that they had about this. Like they were like fire had, starter. Like, no, 11, like they kind of kind of had like a Stranger Things, but all the kids like had like abilities, but like it made them have terrible like reactions. Oh, got it. Okay. Like, oh, now you have diarrhea, but I can do this thing with my brain. Yeah, and it's so like, funny. now I just, I just puke every time. And it's like <laughs> every single one of them had something like worse than a nosebleed, basically. That's it was really hilarious. Funny. But yes, it can be physically taxing to have yes. amazing powers. This so, is yes. true. This is true. Uh, <laughs> so we meet uh, Martin Sheen yeah. and George C. Scott, who is supposed to be a Native American. His name is John Rainbird. And he wears. I didn't get that. And he's wearing really like the coat, like the Native American coat. That just made this character so much more creepy to me. And he was already. No, I didn't get that at all. Yeah, that's what I. I figured by. I saw because I didn't. They kept saying his name, but I couldn't really understand it. And then I saw like the credits. I was like Rainbird. I was like. Hmm. Interesting. So he identifies with that's really interesting. Because yeah, Martin Sheen is sort of like the head of the shop and George of the DSI is the official name of course. the Department of Scientific Intelligence. Intelligence. Um and Rainbird is just kind of like a contractor, like hired gun, like assassin. The, their top assassin. Um and they have a contact, like make one of his eyes blurry Mer- and milky yeah which apparently gave him a really bad infection which is why he is wears the eye, eye patch guy i thought so yeah because at some point in this movie he acquires an eye patch for like 20 minutes and then disappears again i'm like something went sideways with that uh with that contact lens um george c scott is a horror show in this movie yeah. in, in the most complimentary way um and it's not in a very and again you know we talked about him a lot in the change lane and you know how much we enjoy him as an actor and obviously Patton and all that um but it's the way in which he screwed up kind of s- comes in through the back door in mm-hmm. this movie and he's not very ostentatious about it. And it is really fr- – and it's a, it's an element of this movie that you wouldn't ne- – you don't necessarily need. Right. But it's just to kind of make what Andy and Charlie have to go up against all the more terrifying. Right, because they have a guy who's like, I want her for disposal. Like, you're going to give her to me and then I'm going to dispose of her however I see fit. Right, but I feel like he also has this kind of like – He's a pedophile, right? Yes, right? Yeah. Yeah. But he is in this way where it's not it, – and, and Martin Sheen kind of knows it oh, yeah. and is going to kind of give Charlie to him anyway. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't like approve. But it's like he's – like Martin Sheen is attracted to Charlie and her father for the powers. Right. And uh, George C. Scott is like, yeah, 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 the powers, but also the girl. Yeah. And it kind of like he has this kind of monologue about it, kind of slides it in. And it's definitely delivered this way where you're like, Wait, I'm sorry. What did he say? Wait. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. And he's like, you know, pretty overt about it. Is and it time for my speech yet? Is oh, it time for the speech? Um, Is that speech later? Uh, I think that speech might come up. Well, first we have to do the Art Carney, oh, yes. Louise Fletcher part. So basically we meet them. Uh, Martin Sheen is Captain Hollister. And I, I love, can I mention this, uh, Art Carney, like they pick him up hitchhiking, yeah. bring him. He's like, ah, oh, come on home for lunch with the lady. And so she's very friendly to them and I'll yeah. come in for lunch. And then there's the moment where it's just Louise Fletcher looking at Art Carney and gives him a dirty look for like bringing these weirdo yeah. strangers into their house. And it's just that. like this little tiny moment. I'm like, that's You great. always do this. Stop. What are you doing? Stop bringing hitchhikers home for lunch. Um, so yeah, the two of them, um, and he is told, he is given, um, uh, Andy is given kind of Art Carney this kind of fake story about what he and Charlie's deal is. And then basically when Louise Fletcher goes out uh, with Charlie, uh, with Charlie, um, Art Carney kind of looks at him and is like, all right, so like, what's really going on here? Like, what, what, what's it all about? Um, and the shop comes while they're there 
And Art Carney, you know, is kind of like, look, like the government never did nothing for me. So like this is, you know, I'll fight alongside you if you want me to. He says, I'll stand with you if you want. I'll get my dear gun. And Andy says, you don't need your gun. No. Like, nope. Because we see Charlie starting to get a little, little, little hot under the collar and the butter in the dish melts, the temperature gauge in the room rises. Yeah. And, uh, and it's like, and like the cavalry has come. It's like, it's not like, it's not like a few shop guys. It's like two dozen shop guys and like all these cars, all this, whatever, and Andy warns them, it's like, don't, like, don't do this. Like, turn around, walk away. And, you know, they're just like, sorry, sir, we gotta, we have no choice. And the stress of seeing these people, and they're just like, no, no, because they like try lying to her. And yeah. she's like, no, I know you're lying. Like, I can read your thoughts. You're lying. You're gonna take my dad away from me. You're gonna separate us. And it's the fear that an eight year old has of being separated permanently from her father and how angry that would make her. And she lashes out. And this is when we see the full extent of what, charlie can do and it is a horror show like she burns some lots of the government agents of people and it's a and and the effects in this movie are wonderful because it's all practical all guys being set on fire it's guys being set on fire so it's like one guy who's just kind of looking at her like what are you doing and then his arm just lights on fire and then it's another guy who's just back goes up and another guy who goes up feet first and then people start panicking and running and as they're running they're just spontaneously combusting or like they get to the car and then she just blows up the car and a lot of it is like they will they do they play this out at quite a bit where they look at her and they look at her like they're a little girl and they like beg yeah. like they're like please don't please don't I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry sorry and she's got this crazy look in her eyes where she's like it's too late yeah like no you hurt me and it really is she can't stop it yet yeah. like she's she learns throughout the film to kind of rein it in but like here she's like I'm out of control. I'm yeah. like, I, it's like you told me to do it, and right. it's all they're all gonna get fried, and nobody escapes. Like she blows up all the cars. She like, like you know everything. The guys are all burned to death. The whole thing. And Art Carney and Louise Fletcher. Like I like that Louise Fletcher can't even look at it. Yeah. Like she when they cut back to them, they're sitting on the porch, and her head is like down in Art Carney's lap. Like she can't even just handle what just happened. And they were like look, there's another car back there with the keys, like the truck, like just take it and go, just go. Cause yeah. like they can't even like what just yeah. happened. What are you going to do with that? <laughs> I don't know. Just really go. And at the end, Drew Barrymore looks up and says, sorry, daddy. Like she's realizes what she's done and she feels really but there bad was no, about it. There was really no other course for her to take. Like that, there was no other escape. I mean, like he was already like, he's already so exhausted and yeah. like has pushed so many people. His brain's kind of like, yeah, fatigued, but you know? I think it's like that thing where like if you really let like an, an eight-year-old with a horrific temper go full bore in their own room, right, yeah. and destroy their own room, at the end of it, once they saw their own destruction, they would cry about it yeah. because they trashed their room. So and she's they're like, out of control. Yeah, so she like cries about it because like all her toys are broken mm-hmm. and she doesn't want all her toys to be broken. She's so, you know, um, so it's again, it's a great use of like using kind of the traits that already inhabit that character and then just coming up with this horrific twist to it like right. what if whatever and i feel like that's what makes it so successful but that's i think when the monologue comes in by rainbird where we go back to rainbird and hollister right. and that's where he's like yeah yeah i'll go get them for you but p.s when you're done i want the girl yeah and you're like what do you mean you well because the then we have the doctor from the lot six experiment who comes in and mm-hmm. is, is you know saying like look what you've done like this is all your fault yeah you should feel guilty mm-hmm. like this is because of your experiment yep. it's not her fault mm-hmm. um and they're like yeah yeah and then he goes and he's sleeping and he wakes up this is a horrible th- you should never wake up to george c scott just looming over you at night which yeah. is scary enough yeah then he just karate chops him in the nose and yep. kills him instantly yep mm-hmm. and you're like 
Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, Charlie and Andy make the dubious. I feel like if you're on the run, this is, I think this happens in movies a lot. It's like you're on the run. Be like, oh, go to grandpa's house. And you're like, no, no. They you know can, about you grandpa's can't house. Go anywhere related with you because yeah. they're going to find you. Yeah. Like you have to go somewhere crazy off the map. Yeah. So of course, like they go to grandpa's cabin and like, it's all going to be fine. Be like, it's not going to be fine, guys. Like, yeah. how would you realize that like totally George C. Scott's in a tree? <laughs> Waiting for you. Ready to snipe you with tranquilizers. Yes. Yeah, which he does. In the throat. In the throat. Mm-hmm. Brutal. Yeah, it is pretty brutal. Um, And I like also, too, they so they take them back to the shop and they separate them. Yes. And they separate them. And the shop is kind of this nice... Like a hotel? Yeah, like kind of a mansion-y, kind of like really nice. So there's like a nice room and a nice place for them to stay. And there's like toys for Charlie to play They're with. Flying and her with more Cabbage Patch Kids. and. ColecoVision. If you just light this thing on fire, you can play all the Atari you want. Uh-huh. And she's like, mm, I want my father. I like how much of a badass she is. She's just like, go to hell. Like she just yeah. doesn't uh-huh. have a, like she's not buying their story yeah. at all. Like you separated me from my dad. Right. Give me my dad or I'm gonna burn you all to the ground. Yeah. So. But she has promised, she made a promise to herself and to her dad that after the whole like farm debacle happened, that she wouldn't do it anymore. That she didn't want to burn people. She didn't want to kill anyone. Because it's like the character of Char- Charlie is like she kills people, but she's not like a murderess. It's not like, you know, she gets her rocks off. It's just like she's been pushed against the wall for so... It's self-defense. Yeah. And you just, you push. And then if she does, like, let the cat out of the bag, it goes crazy. Yeah. Like, she can't kill two people. It's like, you either all burn or nobody burns. Right. Like, it's, that's just, that's as much control as this eight-year-old has. So they start uh, drugging uh, Andy yeah. so that he can't push them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, they start to try to make her do these experiments where yeah. she's lighting stuff on fire. Right. Um, so uh, they have wood chips as the first experiment. Yep. And, and of course, I love the 80s science labs with all the buttons and, <laughs> and the computers that are super big and recording them and bells and whistles. And she sets it on fire. And mm-hmm. then like the, there's a bath of water that she kind of puts the energy into mm-hmm. and Martin Sheen flips out he does he's yeah. so excited that yeah. she's like could you see that did you see that yeah this she's is gonna be a weapon like because there's this idea that like she could create enough fire to like set out create a nuclear bomb somewhere that they wouldn't even need materials they would just need charlie to like fly over whatever country and be like just make that explode right yeah. now because that's like, what the government do does yeah how can um, we make it into a weapon hmm. let's see uh, i like him freaking out though yeah and he's like and then but she in the in the confusion and the excitement she just like walked out yeah, <laughs> and, and they're like, go get her. And everyone's like, uh, I don't want to go get her. You go get her. Go I get don't want to touch her. Yeah. Um, uh, but she won't, t- she won't talk to them. Yes. She's, she's closed herself off. So yes. George C. Scott comes up with this yeah. brilliant idea where he's going to come in as a friendly custodian. Yeah. Make friends with her. Named John. Named John. I'm just friendly John who occasionally wears an eye patch because my eyes infected. And this is now we're time for my speech. <laughs> yeah. So, so this is his plan. Uh, John, the friendly orderly will come in. He will greet her, talk to her, get her to smile. John the friendly orderly will make her happy because he's the only one who can. Jesus. And when John feels she has reached the moment of her greatest happiness, he will strike her across the bridge of her nose, breaking it explosively and sending bone fragments into her brain. It'll be quick and he will know her power. And when he dies, which I hope is very soon, perhaps he can take that power with him into the other world. And Martin Sheeman, Sheen just backs out of the room. It's just like... I, uh, I got also did you just talk about yourself in the third person for yeah. that whole monologue uh-huh. yeah you did uh yeah so so he's he's someone who's I'm like, like oh my God, a crazy so psychopath right. also a pedophile yeah who also has the idea that maybe he can steal her power yeah somehow. uh-huh 
which is like bonkers. So crazy. And, like his, so and again, he doesn't deliver this in a lip smacking. Yeah. yeah. Like it's very factual. And again, it's sort of like there was this early element where you, you kind of thought like there might be a pedophile kind of thing. But then that one monologue seals the deal. And you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just and the heat, you know, and he, So he does come in as John, this very like hapless, friendly, orderly. But because you know his motivations, yeah. it's so creepy. It is. And it's great, too, because you have this uh, sort of great dynamic where, like, who's the real monster kind of thing? Because obviously, Charlie's the fire starter, so she's supposed to be, like, killer kid, big bad, right? But really, it's like the adults around her, mm-hmm. so much worse. Yeah. So much worse. And he, so he has this ploy where, like, there's a storm and the lights go off and he's terrified of the dark. Yes. So, But Charlie's like, it's just the dark. You're okay. And yeah. he's, So he tells her the story, which you should not tell an eight-year-old kid about oh, Vietnam how, story? Yeah, how you're like Jeez. a POW eating spiders in a hole. And I'm yeah. like, that's not going to make anyone feel better, man. What are you doing? I know. But yeah, basically, it's sort of like, look, like you, you're you making me feel better. Like we're friends now, Charlie. And like they go horseback riding together and they try. he tries to come up with ways so she can see her dad again. And, and like is pushing her gently to go with the direction, but not in a way that she would get. Exactly. Oh, uh, how bad could it be? Maybe you just do the experiments and then you get to see your dad. Yeah, and so. then you get something. And so she does another one with a cement wall where she sets cinder blocks on fire she does. and then explodes them. Correct. Yep. Well done. Because she can do that. And again, it's like when you see this kid doing it, I'd be like, this isn't going to work out for you guys. Yeah. None of this is going to... Her power is so far beyond you guys. Yeah. It's just like, no prob. No prob. Um, so basically, the they they have this idea that they're going to send the dad off to Hawaii, that they're going to like permanently separate them. But she keeps insisting every time she does an experiment, like, I want to see my father. I want to see my father. So they start taking him off the drugs and he pretends to kind of like go along with it. And he's like, no, they don't take him off the drugs. He, he, take, oh, that's right. He doesn't, he puts him, he doesn't take the drugs. Yeah. So he does he, the old, in the back of in the, the, back of the right. mouth trip. So his head so, starts clearing. So he has the ability to start using his powers cha- again. To change channels. Right. A la 11. Right. Um, so here's, they, they say in this that the reason they don't want them to be together is because he can push her mentally to do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. So has he been pushing her this whole time to kind of do what he wants? Or is it just because she's his daughter and like she wants to make her dad happy? Yeah, I think so. Because I think that the idea, I think, you know, he recognizes Charlie's power for the power that it has. And I think part of him being a dad is to realize, like to train her to that you can only use it for these things. Mm-hmm. And this is it. And that if other people like Martin Sheen were able to get a hold of her, like she would go full monster. Yeah. And I think that kind of bears itself out the way that we see this character. Like she's so young that they see it as pushing, but like he sees it as like being a dad. Right. It's like part of dadding her is to like show her like this is, you know, we're only going to use it in this situation. Control is a massive part of what this gift mm-hmm. is. And we got to learn that. And right now they're just putting her in stressful situations where they're just like, do these cinder blocks, kill these people, whatever. Right. And it teaches her no control. Right. And she like loses control more and more as this film goes on because of these people. Can I say how much I like the fact that they, Martin Sheen and George C. Scott, are very honest about not liking each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That the, the, it's just like right out in the open, like, okay, I don't like you, but you do this thing well. I don't like you, but you do this thing well. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. all right, let's get it done. No, they just but, made a deal with the devil. But when Martin Sheen tells him, like, maybe we should, like, have, maybe you shouldn't be here anymore. And George Scott's like, oh, no, I've made plans. Like, if I disappear, you're all gone. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. everything's going down if I go down. Yeah. And like, like, we're in this together. Like, you get, it's kind of like being in the mob. Like, there's no out. Like, yeah. you can't, once you know Rainbird, you can't get rid of Rainbird. Like, he's, he's just, he's 
great. He is great. No, he is really great. What a cool, scary guy. It is. He is super scary. And so quietly scary, which is the worst of it. I like it when people are just matter of fact about how horrible they are. Uh-huh. They're just like, it's not glamorous. It's not fancy. It's just like, of course I want an eight-year-old girl. Yeah. Of course. She's and beautiful. Yeah. And you're like... Oh my God, it's like, it's so scary. Um, so yes, though, so the Andy's finally able to manipulate uh, Martin Sheen uh, to take him to Charlie and they decide to like meet at the stables at night and Rainbird, of course, is there because he wants to get Charlie like all for himself. So Rainbird shoots Hollister, which I felt was a little bit of a like, I don't know, I feel like they did away with Martin Sheen just like super fast. Yeah. Like just like, oh, he just shoots him and that's it. No more Martin Sheen. Like, oh, but, but Martin but, Sheen. But Martin Sheen had no like, fighting capabilities anyway. I guess so. Like, you don't yeah. really, like, he's not the kind of guy who would survive in any case because he's just like a suit. No, I, feel, I, I guess that's true, yeah. And he kind of, uh, and he does, and Rainbird also shoots Andy. Right. Um, and I like that he also tries to shoot at Charlie, but because her powers are, like, growing, because they they have this idea that, like, when her pituitary gland, or, I mean, like, when she pineal, hits puberty. It's pineal gland, oh, isn't okay. it? Oh, okay. Is it? Okay. Like there's a, there's this idea that once she hits puberty, of course, that her powers would just like explode. So she turns attached to her. So she'll turn into Carrie. I guess because it's all about. I feel like Charlie is stronger than Carrie. I mean, I feel like if Charlie and Carrie had a fight, I feel like Charlie would probably win. I feel like eight year old Charlie could Could beat Carrie's ass. I do. Yeah, Mm. but Carrie's also like she's got like she's been beaten down so much by her mom and by everyone at school and like Charlie has parents who are very supportive of her powers but Charlie at end of movie yeah i think could beat Carrie maybe yeah uh so yes yeah, so they so she's able to basically explode like he shoots at Charlie saying so just she's not saying i love you Charlie as he's shooting her which yeah. is so incredibly creepy and fucked up yeah and then just of course explodes into flames right so the bullet like for like the bullet goes slows down and then she explodes the bullet and then explodes him i love you Charlie yeah um and then we have the dad's big yeah. end speech and mm-hmm. you have Drew Bormer just crying over her, her dad. little eyes out i know yeah dying. uh he says, you got to get away if you can, Charlie. And if you have to kill anybody who gets in their way, I want you to do it. You let them know that this is a war, Charlie. You got to get out of here. Do it for me. Do it for me, baby. You understand? You make it so they can't ever do anything like this again. You have to burn it all down, baby. Burn it all down. And does she? Hell. So she, so yeah, she, she does. Yeah, so she comes out of the stables. And again, it's like the cavalry has shown up. Everyone at the shop has shown the, up. The wind blowing her hair. And helicopters and these guys. And there are guys in like with like fire suits. And I was like, that's just not going to do anything. Yeah. Like you're just. And so her powers have also ramped up where she can shoot fireballs. Yeah. Which again, guys, these are like practical fireballs. This is not a special effect or anything. Like it's created a, on a computer. Yeah. It's like a, a like a fireball is coming out of like this eight year old. And like just and again, you can just see it's just mass panic, which I find very frightening yep. and prolonged scenes of people burning in a myriad of ways. And it's burning in a golf cart, burning yeah. in a helicopter, burning yeah. on a balcony. Right. Exactly. Burning in a bush. Bur- yeah. Burning the air. Yeah. One guy gets like he gets burned and then launched up into a tree. So he's just like on fire up in the tree. And there's so much mass panic because people realize there's so much people begging for their lives. And they all and start running into the shop. And then she sets the shop on fire. Correct. And then that's a big yeah and what does she do burns it to the ground burns it to the and ground then says for you daddy for you yeah single tear so then she uh ends up hitching a ride back to art carney and louise fletcher because it's like what else are you gonna do yeah. and they're and i love that they see her when she gets out of the truck and like andy's not with her and they're like "Ooh, okay. that's yeah 
all right, I guess you're a kid now. So the very end of the movie is her and Art Carney walking up to the front of the New York Times because they're going to they're going to out the shop and, you know, everyone because that's kind of what Andy wanted to right. do is like people had to know like they were on the lamb because they had to, exp- you know, expose these people uh, for what they it's did. A, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a letdown after the big like climactic fire seat to be uh-huh. like, now the New York Times will make you all safe. I guess what's a little silly about it is just like you destroyed the shop entirely. Yeah. Everything was blown up. Like, I think there is exposure exposed as they're going to be like it's just you know it's a crater in the earth now where that agency once stood and so I don't know what telling her story I also kind of think it's sort of that thing where I feel like it's more effective if the character has sort of a new mentor who teaches her how to control Mm -hmm. her power but like she can't tell anybody Right. Like you can't tell people that you're an eight year old with, you know, pyrokinetic abilities because they're just you're going to be in a lab for the rest of your life or yeah. like a bubble or something, you know. Um, so I'm like, just go live in a farm with yeah. Art Carney and Louise Fletcher and don't let anyone know. Yeah, that's all right. That would be my plan. Um, uh, I can't recommend this film highly enough. Everything about it. I love I love the cool MK Ultra beginnings. I love the government agents. I love the powers. I love the relationships. Mm-hmm. I love the score mm-hmm. like this I I'm I don't know I guess I I don't feel like this film really gets a lot of play I agree um but I guess Stranger Things kind of made it, you know <laughs> like hey, it did by just taking everything from it but see the thing about it is like I like I don't mind it because like I I am against like remakes yeah but if like if you want to take all these ideas from this and then make it something new like your own story yeah then mm-hmm. I'm like okay that's cool yeah I'm all right with that yeah no there's and I I think they do a good job of like you have a similar idea but like it doesn't go quite full horror movie right like they're just like oh similar abilities sure. um but it just bears itself out in a different way so here's the question uh-huh. who wins 11 versus Charlie um Probably eleven. At least, well, at least in the sense that, like, I feel like I've seen a greater range of powers. Right, because she can like go into other worlds and stuff. Right. Yeah, and she has like full telekinesis. Like we see a bit of it with with uh, with Charlie, but I feel like Eleven could do more. I think, but I think Charlie wins between her and Carrie. Okay. That's what oh, I, yeah. Yeah. That's, right. that, that's what I say. Um, so, you want to do a gore factor? Sure. I would love to do gore factor. Uh, one is not enough blood to fill the Dixie cup. Two is a puddle of blood. Three is enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four is a bathtub of blood. And five is run for the barf bag. I didn't fuck up that time. Um, hey! Woo! <laughs> 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 clap over here. <laughs> <laughs> we, give a, uh, we give it a four for gore. Now, there isn't a lot of, like, bloody gore in this movie. Right. But there's a lot of people on fire. So many people For extended amounts of time. And that's pretty damn gory. Yeah. And, like, really freaking out and screaming and whatever. And there was, I, I wasn't quite at the point where I was going to, like, look away. But I was like, all right, all right, we get it. Yes, yes, yes. Burning, burning. All right. You know? And it was like, but the movie really is languishing in it because they want to show you the full horror of what this eight-year-old is doing well done to like take on this like you read this novel and you're like all right i'm gonna make this into a motion picture yeah and set all these people on fire (laughs) can you imagine being on that set like everybody must have been so scared every day like it's all gonna go wrong at some point i know that's a that's a lot of fire to be around um movie rating zero to five chainsaws one if you're desperate two barely qualifies as a horror film three seen worse seen better four is not too shabby and five is fantastagorical i gave this a four and i gave this a five i think it's fantastagorical yeah two thumbs up from yeah. julio marchesi no, for firestarter it's amazing and again i think this is the most successful of at least in this group that we've seen of these sort of killer kids movie uh and george c scott just really makes this i mean i think martin sheen is meant to be kind of sort of the big bad but like George C. Scott just is a horror show in this, uh, in a very kind of 
subversive kind of way. And yeah, I feel like he really helps it out a lot. So next week, we are more... I feel like we haven't had enough vampires in our lives lately. So maybe... I think it's time for a little... It's time interview with a vampire hey um, i can't wait i love vampires so yeah. much sexy <laughs> so, sexy vampires into it. Perhaps, yeah perhaps vampires that do naughty things with each other um, into it. You well it's me full know and rice vampires so yeah. we've done bram stoker and now miss rice will show us how vampires are done in the 90s um so yes join us guys yes oh and, and make sure you <laughs> check out all of our um you both did creepy yes at the same time you both did yes <laughs> we were we're very excited to and have thank the vampires you for terry why. being a good producer and telling people to remember to check us out because yes. we yeah. keep forgetting to tell people we're all over the internet you guys we're so many fun places we're on facebook we're on instagram <laughs> we're on your twitters, your twitters. we love, um, we to, love to talk you. with you and interact with you and find out what you guys think of episodes we're super friendly mm-hmm. um so <laughs> if, you were, if you're like julia you do this thing every episode and i fucking hate it and i want you to stop you can do that or you can be like julia you do this thing every single i love this, it please Lay i like it. i like <laughs> it when they say that they love it but i don't mind the criticism either but i prefer if you let us know <laughs> if you're gonna especially if you're gonna go on like itunes and leave a like a thing or if you're gonna go on reddit oh, yeah. and talk about us and upvote us or something <laughs> we, we work please hard. say some cool things we work very hard to make sure this show is fabulous for you guys and i hope you guys are really enjoying it from what it sounds like you are um, so more, like please. I said, tell a friend and uh, let's <laughs> or make or two or three or like 10 or like all your friends that you like to go see scary movies with. How about that? Round them up. <laughs> let them know. Don't keep it to yourself. OK, sorry. I got to wrap it up. <laughs> OK, bye. <laughs> see you next week. See you guys. Bye.